Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Good morning. I am John Rodriguez. I'm the pastoral resident, and I'm throwing you a curveball before I even begin. I thought it would better fit my sermon to read the full Ten Commandments rather than verses 1 through 16 alone, which are uh, indicated in the bulletin. So, listen now for the word of the Lord. Moses convened all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and ordinances that I am addressing to you today. You shall learn them and observe them diligently. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. Not with our ancestors did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain out of the fire. At that time, I was standing between the Lord and you to declare to you the words of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, so that your days may be long and it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, neither shall you commit adultery, neither shall you steal. Neither shall you bear false witness against your neighbor, neither shall you covet your neighbor's wife, neither shall you desire your neighbor's house or field or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. I remember back in seminary, sitting and preaching 101 and learning about the various traditions and styles across denominations 
And one of my fellow students, a Korean Presbyterian, said that in his tradition, the preacher was untouchable. He said that so much honor was bestowed upon the lead pastor that it would have been impolite to even approach him without having a scheduled meeting. And although my friend appreciated the reverence given to the reverend, he expressed how difficult it was to respect the office when the person occupying it was less than deserving of his respect. And sitting in the room with the rest of my first-year seminary students, we chuckled in agreement because we knew well what it was like to know everything and still sit under undeserving leaders. And then the instructor said something I'll never forget. She said, there is something holy about showing respect when it is not deserved. Honor, dignity, respect. These are currency like any other. Sometimes we pay respect to those who deserve it because they have earned it. More often, we pay our respect to others to get what we want. Respect is used transactionally. And if we accept that respect and honor are currencies like any other, what does it mean to give someone respect who hasn't earned it? Why did my instructor think this was holy? I think the fifth commandment helps us understand why. Because on its face, the fifth commandment is a call to obedience for children. If you saw my sermon preview video, you'll know that like any good rebellious child, I wanted to know why we're called to be obedient. Whose skin is in the game? Is this commandment about making sure my parents look good or I look good? Or is there something else behind this commandment? So I began my investigation by looking at the first word in the Hebrew, kabed, which has a range of meanings, but it's translated here as honor honor your father and mother, but it's used elsewhere in significantly different ways. Its use here is causative, meaning you must cause your parents to be honored. Perhaps a better word to translate would be glorify. Children must cause their parents to be glorious. They must glorify their father and mother. Either way we translate this word, our ears should perk up because we just read several commandments about the importance of making God one singular focus. Our God is a jealous God, concerned with preeminence, singularity, and reputation. But in the fifth commandment alone are we called to glorify something, and that something is not God. It's mere humans. It's for this reason why some Jewish scholars consider the fifth commandment the greatest commandment. It is a consummation of the first four commandments. In fact, the Ten Commandments have often been divided into two sets. Commandments one through five make up the first set, which is preoccupied with the divine relationship. Commandments six through ten make up the second set, and they focus on human relationships. So you might be wondering, what does the fifth commandment have to do with the divine relationship? How is the fifth commandment the consummation of the first four? I believe the fifth commandment is the hinge on which all of the commandments turn, 
because it identifies and calls us into the unconditional love of God. It tells us to love our parents, even when they don't deserve it, to glorify sinful and flawed individuals because of how God sees them, not because they have earned it. It does away with the transactional use of respect that makes the price of dignity a cost too few can afford. It makes obedience to every other commandment possible. In God's eternal and unconditional love, we receive the mercy necessary to repent when we fall into idolatry, when we take God's name in vain, when we neglect the justice of the Sabbath. The fifth commandment is the point at which we begin to participate in God's love for humanity. The fifth commandment is a foretaste of the embodied love we receive in Jesus. Like Jesus, it straddles the line between human and divine. We're called to see our parents the way Jesus sees them, as members of God's beloved family, who could never earn the unconditional love they desperately need. Like Jesus, we're not called to judge whether, they or, whether or not they deserve our love, but instead offer God's love sacrificially. Glorify your son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So when Jesus fed the hungry, when he healed the sick, when he raised the dead, he did it to glorify his Father. Now God knows there are countless, who, countless parents who have failed their children. There are abusers and deadbeats who have been separated from their children for good reason. And this commandment is not calling vulnerable children into harmful relationships with their parents. This commandment is not a mandate to be used by parents when their children are disobedient. The fifth commandment is a call to unconditional love, and unconditional love is not transactional. Unconditional love can heal abuse but it can never be used to prolong it. Unconditional love can teach obedience, but it cannot be used to punish disobedience. So, the fifth commandment does a lot of heavy lifting. It calls for God's love to be embodied in our lives, to be relational, and to be a conduit of God's grace. It resists being made into a bludgeon used to discipline children into obedience or to vindicate abusive parents. So, have I answered the question I began with? Now we can say the fifth commandment isn't about the reputation of the child or the parents, but rather the type of love that defines the parent-child relationship. But what about glory? At the beginning, I suggested we should translate the fifth commandment, glorify your father and mother. And I suggest this because I think it better makes sense of the parent-child relationship. It's why I have to talk about Jesus in his ministry as an act of glorifying his father. We, when we understand that unconditional love is what defines the parent-child relationship, we can better understand why glory is a child's proper posture toward their parents. 
The title of this sermon, The Weight of Glory, comes from the C.S. Lewis essay by the same name. And I I read it this week in preparing for the sermon, and I want to share a quote. Lewis is discussing the promises that Scripture makes to Christians, namely that we will be with Christ, we will be like Christ, and we will share in Christ's glory. I hope I've begun to help explain what glory might mean for us, but no surprise here, I think Lewis does a much better job. He writes, To please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work, or a father in a son. It seems impossible, a weight or burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain. But so it is. Lewis writes further, it may be possible for each to think too much of his own potential glory hereafter, It's hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about that of his neighbor. The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back. A load so heavy that only humility can carry it. And the backs of the proud will be broken. Glory is a burden that only God can bear. So as we respond to the fifth commandment, as we try to be shaped by God's call to unconditional love, I pray we don't try to go it alone. I pray that we don't confuse tolerance with acceptance, appeasement with reconciliation, or comfort with honesty. It should be clear by now that this message is not only for children whose parents are still alive or active members in their life. It's a message for, or it's not only a message for parents with disobedient children, it's a message for anyone who struggles to share in God's unconditional love. And I count myself in that number. Again, for those who watch the sermon preview, you'll know that I called and asked my dad what the most dishonorable thing I ever did was. I thought the answer might get me closer to understanding what's the fifth commandment all about. Surprisingly, It did. He said that the most dishonorable thing I'd ever done was to believe the lies I told myself. Growing up, when I got in trouble or I messed up, I told myself my father wouldn't want me. He would reject me because of what I had done. When I got older and I began forming my own opinions about things, and some of which my father vehemently disagrees with, I told myself, I have to hide who I really am in front of Dad. And in doing so, I denied the reality of our relationship. Our relationship is founded on the unconditional love of God. So despite his great answer, I don't recommend calling your parents and asking this question. Instead, let's trust in what Scripture tells us with certainty. God loves you unconditionally and has called you to share that unconditional love with others. Amen.